2: My name is Simon Von Bromley, I will be your host today and I am joined by our senior technical editor Ash Quinlan and our digital writer Jack Evans. And today we are going to talk about one of the classic arguments, an aero bike versus an all-rounder road bike. Which one is right for you? But before we get into that, let's just say hello to each other. Ash, how are you doing today and what have you been up to recently?
0: Uh, I'm very well, thank you. Uh, what have I been up to recently? I have been testing a series of uh, four bikes, uh, all with, wait for it, 105 mechanical group set. God, you must have the all of the world's stock of <laughs> mechanical 105. I think I've got yeah, potentially I think I've got uh, I've got four bikes which means I must have at least 50% of of what you know Shimano's uh, you know stock of what they can give or send out at the moment. Um no no this has come obviously direct from the brands. Uh, really enjoying that getting some good miles on it. Um Sadly, having to balance it with a little bit of a knee niggle, so um, I can't uh, I can't thrash out quite as you know fast or as far as I would you know optimally like. But uh, hey, life's full of little challenges, isn't it?
2: It's still a good group set, as well, isn't it? And you know, we've it seen a lot of Di2 noise recently. Axis this, EPS that. Still a good group set.
0: It's still a very good group set, and um, I, you know, it, I still think, you know, why do you need more? Um, personally speaking, you know, having one, I have one hundred and five on one of my bikes, um, and that's a that's a stable of two. So it's not a, it's not a huge sample. It's fifty uh, percent of my bikes have a mechanical one hundred and five on, and it's perfectly adequate and does a great job. Um, and uh, when can we expect to read those reviews? Uh oh! So a copy would need to be filed soon. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> not that I'm asking. I'm not your editor, but you know. <laughs> no, 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 no. Uh, you know, I th- I'll probably be filing that in the next sort of week. Week, maybe ten days tops, and then I think it'll be in the following issue of Cycling Plus. But you'll also be able to read them on Bike Radar as well. Uh, a, you know, a slightly longer, less less edited for for the uh, print page version o- online as well. So I've got a little bit of writing to do.
2: Great stuff, and Jack. I understand you have been involved in some sort of competition cycling recently.
1: Yeah, I've been um, showing how slowly I can ride uphill compared to some very good hill climbers. That's not true. I think I heard
2: heard you say you came second at a hill climb this weekend, didn't you? Oh, it was sixth. It was a very small field. Oh, well... (laughs) What, seven riders <laughs> so modest there,
1: there, yeah there, there are 20 of us this was riding for um, my club in birmingham of uh, coffee cycling at the solihull the illustrious solihull <laughs> <laughs> hill climb championships where we were great the big one yeah yeah it, 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 it's when people talk about the championships it's not the nationals that in late october yeah it's... they really mean the solihull yeah mm. okay and um, yeah, that was good fun. That was a that was a, that was a short, fast climb. I've been doing some longer ones down in down in Porlock, uh, both the main road, very steep, and the toll road, longer. As well as some much longer, twenty-kilometer ascents as part of Route Davos in Switzerland last week, which was my first go in the mountains, and I was very um, yeah, really enjoyed taking my own bike out there, my, my Canyon Ultimate, which we may get onto later as part of this discussion. Um, and yeah, that was a terrific three days. Decent weather. Um, yeah high altitude, long climbs, yeah.
2: And am I right in saying that by the time this podcast goes out, there's going to be an article on that bike that you used for that trip?
1: Yes, there'll be a horse for the course on Bike Radar, and uh, there'll be something in print um, at a later date in Cycling Plus.
2: Well, there you go. Looking forward to reading that. Well, that takes us very neatly into our discussion today. As I said earlier, it is aero versus all-rounder. Now, if you have seen what you know jack jack road for his uh his little davos trip then you might already know where he sits if you've read any of my articles on com, you might already know where i sit but as ash is new you might not know where he sits so let's lay our cards out on the tables right now where do we all sit on this debate ash let's start with you as your name is alphabetically first
0: oh thanks very much <laughs> uh, yeah yeah very fair very fair um now I've I have a personal preference as to what I normally choose. Uh, that being said, I will preface it by saying that the best bike is the bike that is tailored to the conditions that you ride. <laughs> that's now, very, poli- the politician's answer. <laughs> it is a politician's answer, yeah, a little bit, but at the same time, it's very true um, because you enjoy, you know, if if, if you're riding a, a flat route, you're going to enjoy that a lot more. If you enjoy your speed, you may enjoy that a lot more on a bike that's optimised for those conditions versus a bike that's optimised, say, for the mountains around Davos, for example. So, you know, as a general rule, for me, if I had to pick one, I do lean on the all-rounder side of the spectrum. I do, um, but you know that's you know that's all-rounder. You could have shallow, very lightweight, say 1,200, 1250, 1,300 gram uh, wheelset, uh, or you could have or you could have a deep section sixty mil uh, rim set uh, rim set wheel set, um, and that would transform the behavior of the bike entirely um and i suppose what we're talking about here a little bit as well is you know there's a little bit of crossover at the moment you know um we've we've had we've got you know traditional aero bikes on one side what use what we all used to call lightweight bikes on the other side um lightweight has become all-rounder you know as a as a you know they're, they're synonyms for one another really these days but we're also seeing brands make their aero bikes lighter we're seeing brands make their lightweight bikes or, or rounder bikes more aero, and you know we're we are bombarded every day with claims through press releases and 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 our contacts in in the world of cycling who say our bike is lighter, faster, uh, more aero, uh, more compliant. All, all these things every single time. No one ever says no it's it's not quite as good as as it, as it used to be in in that particular respect it's always better in almost every respect I, I've yet to come across a brand that actually concedes that their bike is not as good as it was previously um but for me um I would normally default to a to a a more lightweight uh all-rounder style of bike with 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 what I would describe midsection rims so between 40 and 50 mil deep rims. so some people may call that deep. Other people may think that's shallow, Simon, uh, <laughs> but you know yeah. that's that's um, you know that that's my that's how I like to ride a bike, and I I, I like the the stability that gives me, and, and and I can feel that speed, so I enjoy I enjoy that kind of riding. That's a very long answer to say, all rounder, Simon, back to you. <laughs> but I think you touch on an important
2: point that the kind of the boundaries are being are being blurred, aren't they? And and, and certainly with the kind of introduction of uh, disc brakes rather than uh, rim brakes. That's what we, you know, most people, you know, most bikes used to have. I, I think that has blurred the boundaries a bit more. Bikes have become kind of more capable, and and as you say, lightweight bikes have become more aerodynamic. You know, all rounder bikes have become more aerodynamic, and and dedicated aero road bikes. You know, they we we've kind of reached a, seem to have reached a kind of development end point almost within the kind of current UCI rule set. That means that a lot of manufacturers are looking for gains in terms of weight now. You know, I've just kind of mentioned rim brakes. And I know your personal bike still has rim brakes, doesn't it, Jack? And and I believe your personal bike is a Canyon Ultimate. So does that mean you fall on the kind of all-rounder side as well?
1: Yeah, I, I would say what what makes the the Ultimate um, so versatile is that it's it's comfortable for some really long rides. Like I've, the, the Dragon ride took me 10 hours this year and it was comfortable start to finish. Uh, my legs less so, but <laughs> not so much the bike's fault.
0: You didn't and, mention that you never mentioned that once
1: <laughs> go on and, and because it is so light being the um yeah the cf slx frame um so that that that, that comes in well under sort of uh, 700 grams and yeah being rim brake as well that means it's it's light enough that i don't feel that too much too much of a disadvantage during hill climbs without having outrageously modded my bike removing all sorts of levers and um drilling holes and and removing chain rings so i think yeah for although it is an expensive bike it does mean that it does several jobs in one and if i did want to make it go fast on the flat i could add in a much deeper section um wheel set than the 45 mil i have at the minute
2: yeah and and i think i i suppose you know for a lot of people who can only you know if you can only have one bike you're buying a kind of specialist aero road bike does kind of shoehorn you into riding in a certain fashion. Mm-hmm. You know, they 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 often have slightly reduced tire clearance. You know, maybe not so much if you're buying a you know, a brand new bike on the kind of cutting edge of design, but certainly older ones would have had maximum tire clearance of around 28 millimeters. You know, they don't they tend not to be that comfortable, so that kind of limits you to you know nice roads. You know, unless you're willing to be uncomfortable, um, and yeah, they kind of. They are designed to work best on flatter rolling courses, nice roads, at high speeds. And so if you're then taking them to a mountainous region such as you know you mentioned Davos there, but you know we go to go to watch the Tour de France or something and you go to the Alps and but if it's a very windy day and you're turning up with 65 mil deep rims, you know trying to descend off a mountain that that might not be so good. But regardless of all of that, yes, I do prefer aerodynamic bikes. I think, acknowledging the compromises uh that aerodynamics bikes make as as i just have done i I still feel that for for 95 percent of my riding which is you know based in, in england where there aren't any mountains i still think that they are uh they can be very exciting but yeah you're right like there is a lot of um crossover in recent years and um but I wonder if, you know, perhaps before we would have said, you know, this conversation would have, been, you know, five years ago, this conversation would have been maybe aero versus lightweight bikes. Yes. But do we think the kind of conversation around weight has moved on a little bit in recent years? You know, obviously the introduction of rim brakes has added around 400 grams to every single bike. Regard- disc brakes, disc brakes. <laughs> yes, the introduction of disc brakes. There we go, there we go. <laughs> There's my Freudian slip. Yeah. Um. So, you know, it's it's very you know it's very a lot of people would say that a disc a lightweight disc brake bike isn't really a lightweight bike because you could easily have a you know a lightweight rim brake bike uh but also i think our kind of understanding of what makes a bike perform well has also changed is that fair
0: to say i i think that's that's very fair um you know, uh, Canyons. So I went to the latest Ultimate launch at, um, in France, and they they invited us down to take a look at the new Ultimate. And we were riding, a, a, well, I was riding a, 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 the CFR. But um, they they were talking about, you know, that's their lightest blend bike, the lightest bike that they can they can make, or is it not the lightest bike they can make, but the lightest bike they will make? Um, because they say to make it any lighter, and they can easily do this. Um, and to make a bike that's say I don't know six kilos five and a half kilos even five kilos or sub five kilos and we've seen it before and even with disc brakes it's doable now um you know there's there's an element of what's the point um there's an element of well there's a marketing element to this and maybe I'll mention that in a moment but but in terms of you know for, for the rider who needs to go, who's going to go and ride this bike, having a bike that's actually five you know 5 kilos you're going to make sacrifices within that for comfort for um for for stiffness potentially um and for general speed if you can't have any kind of air, you know for that kind of lightweight bike if you can't have any kind of aero treatment around the frame even if it's subtle mm-hmm. it's going to make that bike slower generally speaking now of course we know you know a rider is Nine, 85 90 percent of the of, of the drag that you have in a in a bike and, and a rider system but it, it still makes a difference um now there's also the marketing side of things where you know brands don't necessarily need or want to make the lightest bikes there are because pros can't ride them what's the point of making a bike like that if you then have to put lead weights in it in order to sort of stop it floating away um, and to meet the UCI, regulations of 6.8 kilos 6.8 kilos being the being the uh being being the weight limit yeah so you know and that's still that's still i suppose it's not a technical challenge anymore but i suppose you know so we, you've been out into in, the tour de france this year um simon and you've seen you've seen bikes out there none of them really troubled the 6.8 kilo weight limit am i right in thinking that or maybe there was one
2: no you're absolutely right i mean you know we, we had the kind of we stacked the cards against the weight weenies in a sense because we turned up you know, in Copenhagen before a few days of pan-flat racing. Yeah, <laughs> and sure, ever And sure. everyone was riding aero bikes with 60 mil deep wheels. You know, everything was optimized for aerodynamics and big chain rings, blah, blah, blah. So yeah, I'm, I'm sure had we turned up two weeks later when the race went into the mountains, it would have been a different story and we would have seen people trying to hit that 6.8 kilo mark or, you know, as close as possible. Um But, but I think you're right. And, you know, I would... You know, uh, we have a loyal following of uh, weight weenies in our audience, and I I don't want to do them a disservice. And it's absolutely fine if that's what kind of tickles your pickle. You know, it's absolutely fine. But I, I think Canyon and Canyon's engineers are right in saying that you know, going for kind of the lowest weight possible at the expense of everything else ultimately, you know, does not make a good bike. So it is about balancing those performance goals. And yeah, when the kind of UCI's weight limit of 6.8 kilos still exists, you know, the, if you can't make a bike lighter than 6.8 kilos to race with, well, you know, then you might as well use that that tolerance of weight that you have to do other things, such as make it more aerodynamic or to make the ride quality better, mm-hmm. you know. And all of these things are going to benefit consumers as well. Um, you, you know... It, do you think there's anything been lost with with the kind of lightweight all rounder bike with the move to disc brakes jack or do you think in general it's still a good
1: thing on an aesthetic point I I still don't think you can beat the the clean look of of rim brakes Um, it I mean, as much as I like the the new Ultimate, I say new Ultimate, there's been a disc brake version for a long time now, so, um, I think since 2018. Um, I think my, my 20, 2017 model was one of the last to be rim brake only. Um, yeah, I think if you want to own a bike and look at it and admire it, I'd still choose rim brakes, but um, I have another I have a, another bike that has disc brakes and really appreciate their performance on, on wetter roads, slippery conditions in the winter. Um, and I'm not really sure how much we can draw into what riders choose to ride, the professional riders. Um, some brands still have an option of, of rim brakes. Uh, Pogaccio, though, rode disc brake only this year in the Tour de France. Um,
0: and he didn't win, so therefore it's rubbish.
2: Well, Vingegaard rode Cervelo's, which also had disc brakes, so maybe, it, maybe it's not to do with the bike.
0: Maybe not. <laughs>
1: Yeah, we'll never know how much autonomy the riders have in choosing um, which bike they choo- which bike they ride for which stages. Um, I mean, some of the some of the um, Movistar riders did switch to the the lighter um, Ultimate over the Air Road for some of the hillier stages in the Tour de France, although it perhaps didn't have the most elevation as as some additions. Um, so we can't necessarily draw too much into that um, that the sponsor pressure and what the mechanics are suggesting. Um, but yeah, I think besides the, the looks and the potential saving maybe four hundred grams off the bike, I think yeah, there's um there's not too much to be said for rim brakes as a as an overall package.
0: eBay Motors is here for the ride. But you know, I mean, just stepping away from rim brakes from it. Let's you know, as, as you say, you know, lightweight bikes off do offer something to 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 a lot of people, and there are still expressions of of uh, very lightweight bikes out there. This year, we saw the uh, launch of the new uh, Cannondale Super Six Evo uh, leaked bow. Um, yeah that, I was it, hoping
2: you were going to be the one to say that out loud you know? I'm going. I'm, guess, lo-
0: I'm guessing Liekshbau is how to say it I was looking I at that wrong. in the
2: notes and thinking oh I hope I don't have to pronounce that well <laughs> uh,
0: yeah I've now butchered it twice so uh, you know leave, you leave, leave your comments uh, down below um, no yeah um, there's that. We've got the specialised Ethos, also a very lightweight bike as well. I think, um, and there are a couple of other you know expressions of lightweight bikes out there too, and they do exist, and they offer something. Um, but you know whether they're the best compromise for, and it is a compromise at the end of the day. Whether it's the best compromise for the person actually buying that bike is another thing entirely. Um, and it's worth say, you know worth saying uh, it, Canyon's going to love this podcast because I happen to also ride a Canyon Ultimate Rim Break version. I've had that since twenty fifteen. Couple of dinosaurs in here, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, this is it. But that's the, that's the only one I'm having. I'm not buying another one. Um, uh, that's for sure. But um, well, they
2: don't make them anymore. They don't exactly. Well,
0: no, uh, maybe there's one or two still in existence somewhere on on the site. But anyway, that's that's by that's that's by the bye. Beyond
2: weight, though, what are the kind of key differences we're likely to see between a, a kind of pure aero road bike and a more all round or you know lighter weight bike? I'm thinking now in terms of kind of geometry, frame shapes, you know, frame materials, a- a- anything else, you know, who, who wants to kind of kick us off? Jack, you can kick us off on that. You know, in terms of geometry, what, what would you expect the differences to be between like a kind of race dedicated aero road bike and perhaps a kind of, you know, more all rounder?
1: Um, I think the, some of the, um, the, the, the the actually starting with the tube shape. Some of the tube shapes are going to look really different. I think that traditional um, skinny st- seat stays in a in a rear triangle is probably not going to be be a part of many aero bikes. If at all nowadays, those are going to be those are going to be wider and cam tail tubing is going to be pretty much all over the bike. Although, yeah, we are seeing some sort of all round climbing bikes incorporating those shapes. Um, the yeah, I think the the geometry is probably not going to be as as different as as those looks um, for the tubes, but but you, Ash and Simon might might have noticed some more differences there.
0: Yeah, I mean, uh, Trek's uh, historically been a reasonable example. They had their H one and H 2 um, geometry. Uh, layouts which essentially gave you an option um, even in the aerobikes uh, the Madone that they they sold you could have the option historically these days and most brands have gone down the same route they've, they've essentially they've merged the two together and now it's it's ostensibly the same give or take say half you know not even half a degree half a degree is quite significant I mean like 0.1 of a degree or you know uh, in angling or um, you know 0.2 of a millimetre in length and would that be the um, the 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 head angle
1: or the or, or the seat tube angle. What would would there be differences at the front and back end?
0: Uh, the front end would, would. I mean, historically speaking, on an aero bike, the front end would be a little bit lower, so your your head angle might be slightly steeper, as well as being slightly more compact. Um, I, I mean, I mean, the, the old the old joke, I suppose, goes that if you had an aero bike and you couldn't justify sitting in that position, you then stuck a load of spaces on top and then uh, raised the handlebars and pulled them towards you, so you could actually ride that bike. Um, newsflash is probably the wrong bike for you, uh, but yes, you would find that the front end would be slightly lower, more more aggressive to suit that kind of rider. But also, you know, at the end of the day, it's going to make you more aerodynamic if you can live in that position. I know for a fact that I can't over, you know, I know, I know I can't, I've got a relatively flexible back, but even I can't ride in a pro's position for, for four or five hours at a time. Um, So having something that's slightly more relaxed actually helps me. But the beautiful thing now is that, you know, and this is probably a good thing is, is that bike brands are now making bikes that sort of blend the two together. So they're a little bit more relaxed than say a full blown aero bike used to be, but they're actually more aggressive Slightly longer in the reach um, than, say, they you know, a, a lightweight bike or an all rounder used to be as well. So you're you're kind of getting that now. Trek calls it H one point five, where they blended the blended the two together. And you see that across the Madone and the Amanda lightweight bike, get the same with Canyon. It's very similar between the Ultimate and the Aeroad now. And there are other brands that do similar things as well. Um, there are exceptions to that, I believe. Um, you know, Simon, do you know any exceptions at all? Um, so, yeah,
2: I, I think in general you're right. That more and more brands are doing that. You know, Giant, for example, the old Propel was, I think five millimeters longer in the reach you know so then f- for the same kind of stem size you've got a slightly longer lower bike but they the new propel as as with trek did with the madone now mimics the tcr um i don't know if you know the, the cube uh, the cube uh lightning for example is quite a long and low bike and that has quite reactive handling i think they might still be one where the kind of agree is a little bit more relaxed, but they've actually just launched the Cube Lightning Air, which is more of a lightweight all-rounder road bike. And that does share the same geometry as the Aero Lightning. So it, I, I I think I think you're right. I think more and more brands are going down, you know, specialized had the had the Venge, for example, but then they just killed it. And now the Tarmac SL7 is just one bike that, sure. you know, is Aero, is lightweight, is all rounder, that kind of thing. So I think more and more brands are going down that area. And I think the the difference is now, you know, we see between Say the kind of you know the Cervelo S5 and the Cervelo R5. The the kind of steering geometries are not that different because I think that you know especially for the pros, the pros want to be able to switch between these bikes and not feel a big difference. You know they want the performance gain the aero bike, but they don't want to necessarily have to kind of relearn to ride it every single time they switch. But we do see differences in terms of you know seat post setback and stuff like that. I, I find that all rounder bikes tend to come with more seat posts set back you know maybe a kind of 20 millimeter standard and that puts you further over the back wheel and then a slightly, you know and therefore in a slightly more upright position normally whereas an aero bike might come with a you know a, a, an inline seat post or a 10 millimeter 15 millimeter seat post offset which puts you a bit more forward over the bottom bracket you know and then you might have the handlebars you know a little bit further out as a result so you, you know it, there are, there is definitely still scope to Mold your position. And, and, and like you said, if you want a slammed aero position on a modern road bike, they're still perfectly attainable, you know, with kind of within the limits of integrated handlebars. Um, but yeah, I, I think, like you say, the, the geometry seems to be kind of settling on that more. All, I, I would say you're, that you're definitely right, Ash, that, that aero bikes have become a little bit more relaxed in the last five years and we're kind of settling on that kind of all rounder geometry
1: and um simon you mentioned integrated handlebars which um are a favorite topic of yours um, i'm sure um i'll, I'll read we'll we'll leave a leave a link to um uh, <laughs> to, to your column on One integrated <laughs> yeah cockpits in the, in the show notes um but have have those merged across from aero bikes to all-rounder bikes climbing bikes now uh, are they whereas formally you might have even the sort of the round the, the round shaped handlebars on on climbing bikes and that would really set them apart
2: yeah I, I in general integrated handlebars your manufacturers seem to love to put them on everything because you know they look cool they you know it's more carbon you know they kind of it's an obvious performance gain compared to a separate two-piece handlebar in theory right yeah. now for me I'm not a fan because yeah, as I've kind of talked about many times before they kind of re- reduce your uh fit options you know quite significantly and and I and I don't think that kind of gain from you know the kind of light lighter lighter system weight and more aerodynamic form factor is kind of worth it but you know if you can get the one that is perfectly set up for your fit then it you know it it maybe that's worth it. But um, yeah, we are seeing more integrated handlebars on, on lightweight and all rounder bikes, just because I think they're kind of like a, they're just kind of a, a sexy kind of marketing gimmick. And, and, and so I, I think until that point at which consumers, you know, it's a bit like integrated cable routing, you know, it, it, these, these things go hand in hand in that bikes with fully integrated cable routing, they just look really good. Now, you know, the practicalities of owning a bike with fully integrated cable routing, you know, six months down the line when you you realize, oh, I, you know, maybe you want to service that headset before I put it away for the winter and you think, ooh, <laughs> can I service that headset before I put it away for the winter or am I going to have to take this to a specialist, you know, but, but obviously when we're making a kind of emotional decision to buy a bike, that doesn't always come into it. So, yeah, I, I would, you know, we, as Ash mentioned, the, uh, the specialized AFOS earlier, and and that does come with a separate handlebar and stem. And I think there has been, you know, the kind of the start of a reaction to that. And maybe that's where the kind of all rounder bike will go is in that more kind of traditional round tube shaped bike where people are not so concerned about performance at all costs, but actually, you know, the kind of the ability to maintain you know the all-rounder becomes that kind of more practical bike where the ability to maintain it and the ability to service it yourself and the ability to you know yeah maybe it doesn't offer every last watt has been accounted for but yeah at least you can
0: change the cables yourself and change the headset yourself and do all of those things moving on slightly what about frame materials then Uh, because last time i checked I, i can't remember an aero alloy bike uh not, not specifically aero anyway. Um but you do see at still see very good alloy uh all rounder bikes. I'm thinking specifically here your you know your Cannondale CAD 13s, uh your specialized LA Sprint is also another one that sort of peaks Mentre has got a lovely seat tube on that with, with the it's just a it's a great looking bike that, but but you know, those are those are different styles of bikes and then you, you do you don't see aero alloy bikes. No, you're absolutely right. I think
2: the previous specialised La Sprint, previous to the one that you're talking about, was mm. kind of had the seat tube of the the original Venge in terms of the shape, uh, and it didn't quite have the same down tube shape because obviously there was you know there are limitations to what you can do with hydroforming compared to moulding carbon fibre. You saying it was a bit Frankenstein? Yeah, not necessarily in a bad way. It was a very popular bike, sure. and, and I reviewed the latest La Sprint. And again, very impressive. But it, like you say, it's a kind of more in the kind of all rounder package. You know, Specialized says that it has the same tube shapes as the Tarmac SL7, which they would call an all rounder road bike rather than a pure aero road bike like the uh, kind of now obsolete Specialized Venge. Um, I, I, I think the reason is, is purely down to kind of uh, weight and comfort. You know, aluminium just isn't as, doesn't have the same stiffness to weight ratio as carbon fiber. And so as those tubes get bigger, you know, in order for them to be the sort of same stiffness and the same weight as carbon fiber, like you can't have both of those things. So you can either have it as stiff and then it's going to be heavier, which, you know, as we've kind of already talked about, with the addition of disc weights, it's going to be unacceptable for a lot of people. Or you can kind of have it light, but then it it's not, you know, it's not going to be as it's not going to be as stiff as a carbon bike. And I think, you know, there's going to be too much compromise there. But with the smaller tubes, they're able to hit those goals a little bit better and the weight gain isn't so significant that it becomes unacceptable and certainly, you know, I thought this, the the most recent edition of the Specialized LA Sprint, which I, I tested a version with 105, it's a really, really nice bike. It You know, it, it, it was kind of begging for a a wheel upgrade to kind of, you know, make it that, budget i'll say budget it's still not it's not a cheap bike i suppose but you know
0: <laughs> to complete the package <laughs> to complete the
2: package you know there's no such thing as a, as a really truly cheap bike these days it seems um but um to complete the package it, it, it kind of needed a wheel upgrade but i suspect the cannondale cad 13 would be very similar mm. um you know it, it's that thing where alloys just isn't as it's just not as fashionable as carbon you know we saw a lot of people commenting on how kind of ugly they felt the welds were for example now I don't I don't I didn't really have a problem with that I think you know if you're into metal bikes you're not therefore you're you probably won't mind welds they kind of come with the territory Mm -hmm. if you wanted a perfectly smooth bike there are plenty of carbon options available at a similar price point but you know that's kind of each to their own I, I think if you're buying if you're looking for a something something different then an alloy bike does kind of offer that to a you know to a carbon road bike it's a it's a different look isn't it uh, but they are definitely in the all-rounder category i would say
0: well yeah you can you can take that e- even further i mean there are one or two steel race bikes out there still you know your um i'm going to forget the name of it now the genesis volari for example was raced on the uh, on the domestic scene years ago um and uh, you know i tested one of the, i've tested one of those in the past and it's that's a that's that was a fantastic bike and it's also led me to sort of stay with the genealogy of that bike and uh, now own a, a Fairlight Trail um i know i'm not the only one in this room who who owns a Fairlight Trail as well so we 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 have having never met before i joined bike Radio, uh, we have oddly similar tastes in uh, in uh, <laughs> in our bikes uh, myself and jack but um yeah, you know, you can go down that route as well, and that and that can still be all the performance bike you need, and it can still be that all rounder bike. But yeah, you're not looking, you're not looking at aero tube shapes there at all. The only aero thing you're looking at is either your position not being optimised or the wheel set that you choose to slap on it.
2: So, and so, why would you choose a kind of you know, if we were looking at like a yeah a steel all rounder road bike, like such as a Fairlight Trail, um, wh- why have you gone for that over something like an aero bike?
1: It's it's largely because of the material, I think steel, skinny steel tubes, particularly um, high grade Reynolds, uh, which is eight, I think it's eight five three, the grade they use on, on on the Fairlight, looks absolutely fantastic. I mean the 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 seat stays are almost pencil thin. It's just just really beautiful to look at. However, um, there's a bit bit of practicality with slightly um, more slightly wider forks, which which do add a bit of comfort and compliance there. Um, I, I like the idea that it's probably going to be last a very very long time i think that that's going to hold up really well to any sort of dents hopefully not scratches but yeah really long lasting material and it's also an extremely comfortable ride um it's although although it's heavy really particularly with some 28 mil tires you can you can fit a lot wider it's gonna it's gonna really take out a lot of the road buzz and um yeah you can i can ride it ride it all day no problems at all with a um yeah great great seat post um and yeah, I think it's something. It's, it's something about the heritage of the bike as well. Reynolds are from Birmingham, just at, just um, just east of where I live. And um, having a bike that's called locally sourced is is quite a draw for me too.
0: And would you kind of echo those comments? Um, I would. I mean, I, I I'm not from Birmingham, so mm. I can't say I can't say that's local to me. But yeah, I I, w- I was drawn by the fact that the bike's designed and um, uh, put together in in Britain at least. Um, you know, it's about as nationalistic as I get. I think, uh, but about as patriotic as I get sometimes. Uh, but no, I, I mean, it, it fit. It fitted the the bill for me, and I think it will lead us on to probably one of our final our final points here around what I wanted the bike for. Um, it's a real Swiss Army knife bike. That it's a real all rounder. Got a little bit of extra weight to it, um, but it is a real all rounder. And I needed, I wanted that, and something that had a specific geometry to suit. What I wanted to do is actually a size bigger than the ultimate that I own, um, and most of the bikes that I test ride um, at this point in time. So, you know, it, it gave me a bit more of a relaxed position. It meant that I could still get down and have some fun on it. It meant I could get myself into a relatively aero position on it, um, but I wasn't. Necess- I could also relax on it and ride it gently with a backpack on, and ride it in the the 35k it takes me to ride into work and back. Um so again it comes down to what kind of riding you want to do. And I think that's where if anyone looking and trying to decide between having an aero bike or an all-rounder bike is what riding are you going to do? And it's probably the lead question we're always going to sort of uh put out there as the question you should ask yourself each time and it's wor- it always bears repeating and here it's really fundamental.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And I think we talked a lot about the kind of um benefits of all-rounder bikes and lightweight bikes and all those sorts of things. And and obviously, uh, you know, I think this is exactly, as you've just said, Ash, it's like, what kind of riding do you want to do? And I think the place where aero bikes come in is, you know, if you want to ride fast, you know, or you want to race, then for me, you should be looking at nothing but an aero bike unless you're just doing hill climbs. Because aerodynamics are ultimately kind of what gives you the, typically, the biggest improvement in performance now as you sort of said earlier like the the rider is you know there's no getting away from the fact that the rider is 80 percent of, of the drag in the rider plus bike system uh, but you know if you're going to buy a bike you're going to buy one or the other if you're concerned about you know performance as in going fast then the aero bike is going to make the bigger difference and i would just say you know really don't worry about the weight too much and you know, unless you're racing in the mountains, <laughs> it, yep. it's it, it's ninety percent of the time the aerodynamic benefit is gonna outweigh you know, any kind of you know weight increase. Now, and and my my kind of prime example of this, and I love to say this, is that my heaviest bike is my fastest bike. You know, my heaviest bike is my Planet X time trial bike. Yeah, you know, it has its eighty millimeter front wheel, its disc wheel. You know, big chain rings. You know, heavy weight frame. It weighs probably. You know, just under nine kilos. Mm -hmm. But if 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 you were, but if I if you if you offered me a little, you know, for a for a time trial, you offered me a choice of any particular bike in my stable, it's going to be that one every single time. You know, and 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 I would happily add, you know, as many lead weights to it as 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 were required. I would still pick it every single time. The the difference between that bike and say, you know, my giant TCR is genuinely astonishing and it's kind of i know it's one of those things that a lot of people they they find aero hard to quantify yeah and i understand that but when you add everything up and you get everything right it, it you know the the bikes such as the you know cannondale system six that i've ridden you know recently been riding the the new scott foil the giant propel all of these bikes they feel seriously rapid and obviously that's because you know they're working together as a system and on the kind of the bikes that we've been testing, you do get every single part. you know you're not left with a kind of set of mid-range tires and shallow section wheels and things like that. But that's where I think the kind of error road bike really earns its keepers on those kind of fast group rides, those those races where it, I, I think they make a genuine difference. But if you are not into that type of riding and you don't race, then as discussed, there are compromises. So as kind of discussed, it it does ultimately it is going to come down to an honest assessment of what type of riding you do. Where are you riding? You know, how fast do you realistically want to ride? For me, <laughs> you know, I'm still on the aero road bike side and I'm and I'm gonna and I'm gonna stay here. Mm-hmm. Um you know, send all the send all your aero road bikes to me. <laughs> but what about you guys? Have, has this conversation sharpened your instincts? Changed your mind at all? Are you or are you still entrenched where you were at the beginning, Jack?
1: If you don't mind, I'll just chuck a question back maybe to both Ash and Simon over what kind of distances would an Aero road bike become too uncomfortable or have they just become more more suitable now for longer riding that you might not need an all-rounder to ride all day
0: well I'll I'll take that one on because um I think I think you know it really depends how far, how much you can absorb as a rider and how fit you are now when you when you watch pros riding the Tour de France and they're doing a hundred and 100, say 60, between 160, 180 k a day, and they're doing that for three weeks in a row. They've been riding the bike in that position for the last ten years of their life, if not more. You know, they are incredibly trained athletes, and therefore they can absorb that. That's what we observe when we're watching Telly and we're watching them do that. Now, I sit in a desk for, you know, I sit at a desk in a chair for, say. 90% of my working day and then some when I go home as well as is probably true of most of most of us of of most listeners that's what we do It's the reality of life so you are not spending that amount of time on on, on a bike and when I say you as the rule you I mean I I am not spending (laughs) we yeah we 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 are not spending that amount of time on a bike and so you know when you start getting up to those kinds of distances where you you've been watching your heroes ride on on telly and you can see them you know just getting to the end, you know, they're tired probably at the end of a stage race or at the end of a classic. But they get to the end of it, and you know, they could they can then get on the bike the next day and do an easy ride. Whereas the rest of us would stay in bed the next day um, and maybe have some injuries to report as well. um The point is, is you know, it's being very honest about what you can absorb in your current condition. And I would always say having a bike fit is probably fundamental to deciding if you if you really are looking at tra- spending a lot of money, and you probably are at this point, you know. Given the climate at the moment as well, but you know, aero versus all rounder, you're, you're probably looking at a decent wedge of cash. It's probably worth getting yourself a bike fit to make sure you're spending that cash wisely, and that you are buying a bike that, once you've found that optimal fit for you for the kind of riding you want to do, and having that to having an expert to bounce off with, that's really going to be helpful. You can then buy a bike that actually can natively give you that position, rather you know, rather than trying to go after say a, a, a position that's on paper maybe slightly faster but actually you can't ride in it for as long a period of time and I, I would be I'm a you know you'd be uh, you'd be faster riding a bike that you're more comfortable on for the period of time that you want to ride on let's say you want to do a hundred mile sportive I'm going to mix my my units here but a hundred mile a hundred mile ride and you want to do it at 30k an hour that's, <laughs> that's my that's usually my benchmark for what I'd like to do right and if you can do that if you if you, if it breaks you to do that on an aero bike but you can do that more comfortably on a slightly slower theoretically all-rounder bike then the chances are the all-rounder bike's the one for you.
2: Yeah, I I think it's a as as you, as Ash has just said I think it's a really tricky one. I think the introduction of disc brakes has been really game-changing for aero road bikes because it's opened up tire clearance a lot. Um you know previously with rim brakes aero road bikes had a kind of, you know, as we sort of said, a maximum tyre clearance of 28 millimetres. Now, if you're a heavier or a larger rider, there's only so much you can reduce your pressures in your tyres mm. before you're kind of going to you know, getting pinch flats, damaging the rims. And so there was a kind of limit to how much comfort you could elicit from the bike. But the new Cervelo S5, for example, has clearance mm. for 34 millimetre tyres, comes with 28 millimetre tyres on super wide rims that actually measure closer to... 32 millimeters wide which now, is
0: remarkable isn't yeah, it think about it
2: yeah and and that's you know those are aerodynamically optimized for the rims and so for someone like me who weighs less than 70 kilos i can run you know 60 psi or lower in the tires get a load of comfort but i'm and i'm not really losing anything but that is an aero road bike right on the kind of you know the vanguard of technology now if you're kind of looking at buying second hand, you're looking at buying an older a ro- older disc brake or rim brake aero road bike, they might not have quite the same tyre clearance. But like Ash said, it, it it does also depend on, you know, how good your bike fit is, you know, how how much you, as, as I said, you're able to absorb those kind of, um, those efforts, how rough the roads are, you know, we, we I had a comment from someone, uh, on an article the other day, said, you know, not everyone rides in the rain and on rubbish roads like you Brits, you know, some of us, for some of us, 23 millimeter tires are plenty and, you know, we don't need disc brakes. And that's like, okay, I guess that's a fair point. You know, if you live in some, if you live in Switzerland and you only ride in the sunshine on lovely roads, then, you know, that, that, that question might not be a problem. I think for most people who I talk to, we all have to deal with rubbish roads. Um, but I, I would also say, you know, for me, like, like Ash you know, rightly points out, I don't go out for long rides, you know, I've got a job, I've got a baby, like, so most of my rides t- take place within two or three hours. So I don't, that comfort thing, you know, obviously you talked about doing 10 hours for the Dragon ride, like, I don't get 10 hours on the bike, so I don't really have to worry about it so much. So it's kind of more of a, like, yes, an aero road bike is probably not going to be as comfortable as an endurance road bike or an all-rounder road bike, but... It, it, if you know, if you're racing, you know, I'd argue that comfort, you know, it's it's not unim, it's not not important, but it's less important than kind of performance. And likewise, if you're interested in kind of going out for a quick blast and and just feeling as fast as possible, and you know, trying to recapture that lost youth, uh, then um, you know, not naming any names, <laughs> no, don't <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> then. Then it, you know, then that you might be willing to sacrifice a little bit of comfort in that respect.
0: Yeah, I think you know that when you talk about going on, you're doing a crit race on a circuit, for example, or even a road race. Or you know, a road race is a bit maybe a bit different, but you know, a crit race, for example, and that's what you're training for. Well, then you're training for an hours, you know, threshold above and below effort. You know, you're and 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 then having a final lap to to empty the tank. Then that's all you need to get out of the bike. And if you could, you know, living in that position for in, in a most optimized position that you can for an hour, and say that's called an hour and five minutes. It's very different from, say, going out and, try, and having to live in that position for and do the at tour and trying to you know live in it for five hours or four and a half, five hours, maybe even six hours. It's, it's a very different challenge that your body is facing at that point. And it's also worth pointing out the touch points are are important as well. And they, all these things we call they're, they're fundamental because they're the things that touch the bike, but they are, you know, they're all, they're often considered to be the details we can, we can get, we're talking about aero versus all rounder bikes here, but, you know, having the optimized saddle and the position and where that where that is and where that sits with you, as well as the position it puts you in as well, optimally where that's positioned, you know, and, As much as 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 much as I know, we don't always like integrated um, bar (laughs) stems. um, They do tend to. I find personally they tend to be quite comfortable to ride on. The flattened tops are beautiful. Not mind you, you can have that in a for a giant. You've been able to have that in a in a two piece set for years, haven't you? But
2: it depends. Yeah, it depends. I know what you mean. And yeah, like you say, there there can be advantages to. But but you have to. It's all all personal, and I think that's, you know, we we kind of said that at the start, didn't we? And I I know that, you know, we've maybe not changed our minds, but, you know, maybe if you've been looking to make a purchasing decision, then hopefully this has been helpful. You know, do have an honest assessment of uh, what you're hoping to do with your bike. And if you want a versatile bike, then perhaps a kind of, you know, a completely... You know, as Ash says, a, a crit focused aero road bike designed for riding, you know, three hours as fast as you can or whatever, and no more. It perhaps not the best decision because it's going to railroad you into a into a kind of bike and riding style that you know isn't going to be as versatile. And yes, maybe you give up a little bit of speed for that, but probably worth it overall. For me, you know, I'm still going to be probably suiting up and putting on my, my silly teardrop helmet, my skin suit and riding aero road bikes and time trial bikes. But that's just because that's what I enjoy. Um, and we'll probably leave the discussion there. But as always, if you do have any thoughts, feedback or questions, you can get in touch with us at podcast at Bikeradar.com. We will be putting this podcast in an article on Bikeradar.com. So you can also leave comments there if you have any. And thank you very much, Ash and Jack, for joining me today. You are most welcome, sir. Thanks very much, Simon.
0: Thanks for listening to the Bike Radar podcast. If you've not done so already, please subscribe and share with your friends or leave us a rating if you've enjoyed this episode.